Welcome to the Why God Why podcast, brought to you by Broncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival. I am the Broncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined by our host today, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Broncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's guest is Drew Karshner, lead pastor, lead pastor of Northridge Church, Rochester, New York. Today's topic, why doesn't God just let me know what he wants me to do? Peter and John? You know, if you're listening in the background right now, there's this big horn alarm going off. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's apropos for our question today. Wow. Like, yeah, God, would you just give me the alarm to tell me what to do? I don't know, John, what do you think? Wow, that's a really... Man, you tied that in so well, Peter. Way to go, dude. Way Jack, to go. That's Jack, amazing. if you're listening, I think that's your car. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think this question... I just was at a retreat with a bunch of college students this past weekend, and uh, I probably had four or five conversations along this realm right here. Why doesn't God just tell me what he wants me to do with my life? Some people felt kind of sure, like they were like, yeah, I think I know the next step for me. Other people were like, I really have no idea, and I'm actually kind of nervous about it, and I don't, and I just wish there was some writing in the sky telling me what God wants me to do in this next phase of my life. The thing is, like, that's a that's a very college student question. I'm used to having that combo, but kind of the older I get, the more I realize that that isn't just for that stage of life either. Like, there's that same question that people are asking over and over again at different stages of your life. You kind of return to that question, God, what do you have for me? What's next for me? And that's why I think this conversation is going to be such a good one, Peter. Sure. I, I think about people that whether you go to church or you don't or, you know, you're done with the church, I think most people want to know the answer to this question. Mm. Uh, you know, if if there is a God, if God is for me, like Christianity says, why doesn't he just tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do? And so I look at that on the lines of there's everything from where I'm supposed to be today also to kind of this big picture. And I think we struggle because there's this tension of finding meaning in life, but actually we overdo that question. So I'm curious to hear what Drew has to say about that. And uh, I just think it was a great question. He came up with it yeah. on his own. So there yeah. we go. So you know it's going to be a lot better than the questions we would have given him. So that's that's good. This is the inside stuff from uh, Why God Why. So, so Drew, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, just how you ended up in Rochester? Yeah, um, I'm a pastor in the Rochester area. I've got three kids, uh, five, three, and two-year-olds. So it's it's pretty crazy in my house right now. Yeah, it's wild and awesome. Um, Lived in Atlanta for eight years, enjoyed my time in the beautiful sunshine of Atlanta. I think God gave me the sun there because he knew I'd lose it here in Rochester. (laughs) So um, you really just transition for a pastoral position. Um, You know, being away from family was a difficult thing, having kids, wanted to be closer to grandparents. And so we just prayed, God, take us closer to home. And he honored that prayer request. And he sent us right here to the beautiful state of New York and and in Rochester. So... How did you know, I mean, because this is a question, you said it, so how did you know that Rochester was the right move? I mean, did was there something in the sky? Was it a feeling? Was it a sign? Yeah, God definitely wrote it in the sky. It was a beautiful cloud, you know, and just said Rochester, New York. <laughs> Big arrow. <laughs> it was beautiful. You couldn't see the sun, so you could really read it. <laughs> 
No, I, I think this is one of the most relevant questions that people ask. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, we want, technically, we want God to tell us certain things. It's, mm. it's really interesting because, you know, when God does make things clear, we don't like yeah. it. But when he doesn't, we, we want him to make things clear. And, you know, I think you have to step back and understand the big picture of how God works when it comes to this question, because we're really after God's will. Like, mm. You know, when we ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? We're, we're searching for his will. And I think a lot of people don't have an understanding of how God's will works. And you can really break it down into three categories. The first one is God's will of decree. These are things that God has ordained from the very beginning that you and I, we really have no say in. Like this is things like Jesus coming and, and dying for our sin. Nothing was going to change that, him coming back doesn't matter what I decide in life, that's not going to change things. But then there's these two areas in life dealing with God's will, is God's will of desire. These are the things that God desires for you and I. Um, He's expressed them through His Word, through His revelation to us, where these are things that should be true about me and you. And then there's God's will of direction. These are in between the decrees and the desires, decisions that we get like kind of free choice to choose in based in, in these boundaries that God has given us. And so when it comes to this question you know, what does God want for me? I would actually say God has already given us the answer. It's just not the answer where we want or we're looking for. Wow. Wow. Okay. So can, can we zero in on your experience on this and just go like Peter's question, coming to Rochester, let's just take something real practical for a sec. What, did you feel like that was a desire of God's part or like a direction on God's part? as you broke those three kind of categories down for us, how did you feel about that? Like saying like, Oh, I'm going to go to Rochester with my family. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. So I think there's some desires that I check, like God's expressed some commands in his Bible. So I had to check, go off the checklist. Like I'm not, you know, going against anything that he says, but then I think it falls in the direction area where at some level, I don't think God really cares where I serve as a pastor. I think he gives me the freedom to lead my family, to make those wise choices. I think God knows. I think God cares, but I don't think he's necessarily saying to me, you can only go to Rochester, Drew. And if you go to Ro- if you don't go to Rochester, you're missing out on my will. So I think that falls under the direction where God has placed this call in my life to be a pastor. And he's given me the freedom to kind of serve wherever fits best my needs and my family's desires and wants. And our desire was to be closer to family. So we just followed that to Rochester. Drew, you like went right in. So we like love that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I just... Like, no more pleasantries. Just let's go right right in. Let's do this. Let's Let's do do this. this. So (laughs) let's say this. I'm nominal about Jesus, and I really don't like the church, you know, or, you know, but I'm okay with Jesus. Why should I care about God's will? You know, why, why should I even spend time considering it? I think two reasons. One, God created the world that you live in. And so, you know, your choices have implications based off of the way God created the world and the way sin works. And so, you know, you don't care about the, w- the way God made things. Eventually, you're going to make decision after decision, and you're going to realize that, man, there are implications and even consequences to those decisions that you're probably not going to like. So that's one. And I think, too, you have to understand that when you do grasp God's will and you live in it, there's something that is, there's purpose to that. There's, there's meaning to that, that we're 
all kind of searching for. We're all kind of wanting to figure out what is my purpose? Why am I here on earth? And when you discover that through the lens of God and him creating the world, there's a value to that that no one else can give you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm placing myself in the shoes of some of the people who are listening right now, and they're going, well, that sounds cool for you, but I try to talk to God or I try to, to get God's direction in my life and I just seem like I'm just hitting a brick wall every time. Like, have you ever felt experienced that in your life where you're like, man, okay, God, I want you, I want to do what you want me to do, but you felt like you kind of hit a brick wall with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's been times in my life where I've been praying a prayer, God, show me, show me, show me God. And sometimes it feels hazy and fuzzy. Mm. Um, But you know, I, I think we're looking for the wrong thing. You know, we're looking for that sign in the sky. We're looking for that that cloud that shows us where we want to go. And I think God's will, the way we discover it is through three filters that he has given us. And I think these three filters are his word, first and foremost. We got to go to God's word, his revelation he gave us. The best way to discover what God wants for you is by spending time in his word, because that's the clearest way to understand what God's trying to tell you. But two, his Holy Spirit. So if you know Christ as your personal savior, he's given you a guide. The Bible says he's a guide that kind of navigates you. So it's interesting. The Bible is a lamp into our feet. So it kind of reveals the path. And then we have a guy living inside of us that guides us on the path. And then third, his people. It's amazing how God uses godly people. If you would surround yourself with good godly friends, that would help filter some of those questions you have. What does God want me to do? Should I change jobs or not? Should I move here or not? And if you read his word and you realize, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't go against anything God has said is wrong or right— you, you listen to the Spirit, those nudgings, those rebukes of the Spirit, and then you talk to wise people. You go, hey, I'm going to spend money here. I should probably talk to a financial counselor. I should talk to godly people. Hey, is this a smart decision? You'd be amazed at how God narrows down the field just through those three filters or lenses that he uses for us to discover his will. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I love that paradigm because I think we in our culture— we tend to look at things so individually that, that it, it, it kind of takes everything. It, well, this is just between me and God, or this is just my thing that I'm trying to figure out. And we miss out on that community aspect yeah. of like, what does, like, God might want to speak to me through the people around me too. Yeah. You know, he might want to speak into my life through somebody else. I know I've had experiences like that where God's just spoken to me. Have you had anybody do that for you in a time that was really critical in your life where you were like, man, I just needed to hear that right now. Yeah. I think the best example was when I was dating my now wife, Ashley, and you know, we were getting serious. We've been dating for about six months and um, Ashley probably didn't feel this way yet, but I was like, I think this is a girl I'm going to marry. She's like, I'm not even sure if I liked her or not. <laughs> you know, that's probably the truth. But, you know, that's a one of the big, biggest decisions you're going to make is is who you spend the rest of your life with. And I view marriage as like, hey, this is a this is I, I choose it. It's it's done. It's sealed. It's this is what I'm going to do. And so I remember going to my dad. My dad's a huge influence in my life. And my dad and my mom, we sat down and I was like, hey, dad, mom, you guys had had a chance to hang out with Ashley. Here's how I'm feeling. Um, here's, um, you know, what I want to do. I want to. I want to. I want to get engaged to this girl. One. Do you have any red flags? Are you seeing anything that I'm not seeing? Because a lot of times our emotions can get in the way of of things that we should be seeing. And so I was running th- through uh, my my parents. I ran through some of my friends, and then I just kind of casted a vision of like, hey, here's my plan. So we'll get married. We'll get engaged here, and we'll get married. Here's how we'll support ourselves. 
And here's the crazy thing about just doing that through a wise person is my dad was like, hey, we agree. We, we see it too. We, we think she's the right girl for you. So they evaluated a decision I was going to make. But then my dad gave me some wise counsel to the plan. He's like, hey, here, he, I, I gave him my roadmap and he said, hey, here's a couple bumps that you don't see. But if you actually correct these and go in a little bit of a di- different direction, you'll avoid some potholes that are there that you can't see. Wow. Wow. That's great. And I think that's super, super kind of practical just advice for for us and for us to take, you know, account of. I think that's really, really great. You know, I'm curious because I talk to people whether they go to church or not. And sometimes I feel like there's this fatalistic, like even when they fail, like or do something wrong, like just saying, well, you know, it was God's will, you know, as if it's kind of. And I I can kind of see it both ways, but I'm just kind of curious from your perspective on two sides of the same coin, which is, you know, have you ever, you know, felt like you made the wrong decision, but also on the same token, like at what point do you sit there and say it's God's will versus my responsibility? Because when we look back, it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, my, you know, embezzling millions of dollars led me back to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's a bad example, but I'd just be kind of curious how you listen, hear that and what your perspective is. Yeah, that that is a great question. It's one of the questions that, you know, at some level, we all have to admit we don't know the full answer to. Um, I think when it comes to God's will, the one of the biggest mistakes people make is we narrow, like God only has one option on the table for us. And, you know, there's only one woman out there for me. And if I don't find her, I messed up God's will. And I think that will of direction is, you know, God creates some guardrails or a baseline or a a framework for us to live in. And we'd be amazed that we have a whole lot of options inside of that framework. And so I can actually date you know, multiple people, not at the same time, just for, for the record, <laughs> one at a time. Let's just, but, you know, I can, I can go through this process and it's not necessarily God has given us a framework to live in, but there's just not one person out there. Once you make that decision, that is the person. Mm-hmm. So that's the, again, the framework God's created, but he gives us a lot of freedom. We aren't robots. And, you know, the thing is we want God to write it in the cloud, but then we'd complain God, you made us into robots. Why don't you give us freedom to choose? You know, it's this battle that God's faced. But when you go to that question of like, what is God's will and what's not is, you know, I I think God knows the end from the beginning. He's sovereign. I really believe that, that he is in control. And so he he sees and knows every decision that I'm going to make before I ever make them. But in that, God has given me the freedom to choose. And I know that because I've made some really poor choices, some sinful choices, just like everybody else has. And I've had to deal with the consequences of that. And so that uh, that tells me I have freedom to choose. And that freedom sometimes is, leads to a blessing or sometimes that freedom leads to a consequence mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily. Does God know that? And did he already know that? Yes, he did. But I do have that freedom. And so... You know, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I wish as a pastor, God gave me the the wisdom of Solomon where I know everything, you know, but I, I just don't. There's a certain level of like, I just got to own up my decisions and say, hey, you know what? Maybe that wasn't, it's never God's will for us to sin, first of all. Like when we make sinful choices, that's not God. God doesn't want that for us. That's not his will for our lives. But God's a master at taking our poor choices and turning them into good. And so someone could say, oh, it was God's will for me to embezzle money. No, it wasn't. But God actually took your mistake and he made it into good and he used it to draw you to him. Can you delineate between a poor choice and a sinful choice? 
you know, because you keep bringing up the word sin. I, I think it's it's a very important word, but help us define it when it comes to this question of God's will. Yeah, I think, you know, God has expressed, again, you're talking about that box of God's desires, and we, we realize his desires come from his word. And so when it comes to sin, God has made it pretty clear what is sin and what's not. It, you you got to spend time reading your Bible. I can't give you the list of all do's and don'ts. But I think when it comes to following Jesus, you know, again, that Holy Spirit, our guide, a lot of times we're going to make a decision. He screams out, dude, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. He rebukes me and says, that is not a godly choice. And I think, you know, if we are truly following Christ, one of the evidences that is the Holy Spirit living in us that rebukes us when we're getting ready to make a wrong choice. And so sin is really just anything that is disobedient to, to God's word. It's disobedience to God's desires in your life. And so, you know, we have to listen to the spirit that leads us in there. And then a poor choice or what I would call a mistake is, man, a mistake is simply like, I wanted to turn right and I turned left. I got distracted and I was trying to follow the navigation that can be difficult at times. And I turned left and right. That's not a, 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 God is not like you disobeyed me. You went left instead of right. That's just a mistake I make because I'm an absent-minded person. Drew, I love everything that you're talking about. And, um, you know, one of the things is I just love how clear you've been. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did a pre-show meeting, you know, when you were 16 and you're making this decision to become a pastor, walk us through that. You know, how did you, cause that's, that's a pretty big decision. I think all of our listeners at some point are going through some type of career decision, but what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I grew up in a home where my dad owned an insurance company. And so I just knew my life's plan for me. It was, Hey, you, you went off to college, you got married and you came back home and you worked for his insurance firm that you would do well, you'd be successful, um, life would be good. And so I'm 16 years old, I'm uh, an athlete and my youth pastor comes up to me and we were getting ready to have this youth Sunday. And if you don't know what that is, it just means the youth group is taking over the Sunday service. That and sounds so, like it could it could be a potential disaster. Oh, it it, it has been a disaster before. So, um, so you you're know, telling me Northridge doesn't do it now. No, <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, in our youth pastor, I was a, you know, I guess you could say I was in, in the cool kids. I had influence because I was an athlete in school, one of the jocks. You either loved me or hated me. You know how yeah. you know how that goes. And so he, my youth pastor, came up to me. He's like, "Hey, Drew, I want you to preach at the youth Sunday." And I was like, cool. No. Like, I didn't have to think about it. I was like, this is definitely not God's will for my life. <laughs> and I just said no. And he did the smartest thing ever. He went to my mom and was like, hey, I asked her to do this. Just see, just see what you can do. And man, I'm a mama's boy. Okay. I'm openly admitting I'm a mama's boy. You hear that, mom? I, you, I hope you're listening. You heard it fr- first from me. And so... Um, she just, you know, you know, moms have powers. They do. And so she just started, you know, asking me questions, you know, Drew, what do you think Jesus would want you to do? And I'm like, well, mom, I don't care. I'm a teenager, you know, and she just grinded me down. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. And so I got up there, I prepped and I have no clue what I talked about. It was probably the worst sermon in all of history. But in the middle of that sermon, this is like the one of the only times where I just heard a whisper in my heart, the audible voice of God, not out loud for everybody here, but just straight to my heart, Drew, this is what I made you to do. And, you know, again, I think I could easily, that would have been enough for me to, to change the trajectory of my life. But again, I think you got to be, 
you know, we, a lot of people claim God says things mm. that he doesn't. And so again, I think you run it through the filters. One, is this aligned with God's word? Yeah. I think this is, would be an awesome thing too. Man, I'm hearing the spirit nudging me. And so I began to tell my parents, I began to talk to some of my friends, some pastors like, Hey, what do you think about this decision? Do you see this in me? Do you think I have the gifts that would make a good pastor? And as I ran it through the filters, it really felt like God was leading me that direction. And I just had to follow him and make the choice. Did you ever have a significant like a uh, season of doubt? Oh man, it, it's a it's amazing to me, you know, all throughout my years even in ministry where, you know, people complain or I just don't feel like I'm I'm capable of handling the situations I'm dealing with and I'm like, I just maybe God's telling me it's time to to kind of wind down and that that call comes back. It's like it's like almost like a rain cloud that won't leave you. You know, you just try to get out of it and it's God's like, "No, I still got you in it." And he confirms that through whether it's someone who comes off when I come off stage and says, "You don't know what that message meant to me." You know, and it's like God's still using you or it's, you know, God's word just becoming alive and me getting excited about a message that he's just put in my heart or it's just the spirit nudging me like, hey, you're doing the right thing. I know it's hard and know you're weary, but keep going. And so it's amazing how even in the midst of where you're like, I don't know, is this what you want, God? He continues to confirm that and call me to that. And until that goes away, I'm going to be doing it. Wow. How how do you deal with it when people have a different expectation for your life than what you feel like is the is you know the direction that your life is going? Yeah, you know, I, I think one, if you know you're pleasing God, you can kind of get through anything. Um, I think two, having people who know you're exactly where you are. I think my wife is a big champion for that for me. Is um, she just says, hey, Drew, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And I think in life, you're never going to meet everybody's expectations. You just got to you just got to know that, like you're going to disappoint somebody no matter what decision you make. And so, number one, I'm always trying to please God. I'm always trying to say, God, is this what you want me to do? And if I'm confident in that, that can get me through pretty much anything. Mm. But then the people closest to me, like my wife, my children, my my parents, you know, my good friends, my small group, like they're with me. I can get through pretty much anything. And so just having the confidence in those people around me helps quite a bit. Mm. You know, one of the things as you're talking, I've been through this, I'm sure John and Dylan have been through this, is you follow God's will. And at least for me, sometimes you get this assumption of like, oh, everything's just going to be smooth (laughs) and everything's just going to go well. And then you like, you start living out the decision and you realize like, Oh, this isn't easy. And so, you know, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, you've walked through adoption, which I think, you know, some of our listeners might know a couple of people, but I think that that's a great example. I mean, just tell us the process of not only like deciding we're going to do adoption, but also like just the key mile markers along the way, because I'm sure that it's quite a process. And I mean, it's quite a moment to try to understand what God's doing in all of that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people think when you're living in the center of God's will, it's going to be this beautiful rainbow, you know, pot of gold place. And I actually have found, you know, and I think when you read the stories of the Bible, God's will is almost actually the most dangerous place to live in. Just ask the apostle Paul, ask Jesus, right? He's following his father's will and it took him to torture in the cross. And, uh, you know, I think adoption is a great example of that. Um, our, our journey began slow because my wife, and I, we, we struggled to get pregnant. Uh, I think it took us, you know, four or five years. And in the midst of the journey, we 
we were told it doesn't look good for us. And so, um, you know, we just thought, Hey, what does this look like? And my wife has always, always wanted to adopt. And I, you know, I'm maybe I'm the typical guy. I was like, I don't know, that's too expensive. And honestly, you know, as, as sad as it sounds, am I going to be able to love a child that is not my biological child? And, you know, I think admit, being able to admit that now, it was scary for me because like, oh, of course you should love that kid. Like you're a pastor, but those are re- th- that was a reality for me. And I struggled through that. And my wife kept pressing and praying for me. And that's what I love about my wife is she's not going to push me to a decision. She was going to let God work on my heart. And that's what he did. He slowly, she prayed for me and prayed for me. And she wanted to adopt and I was holding it up and God slowly worked on me and he began to soften my heart. And so we finally said yes. And it was a five-year journey. We actually had um, our first two children, not knowing. So, you know, again, not everybody's story is that way, but that that was our story. And so we we filled out some application paperwork on and on Christmas Day, um, Ashley said, hey, I'm I'm pregnant. And it was, it was it blew our minds. And so we had Joel and then we had Ruby Kate and all along this journey, we're navigating this uh, adoption process. And for those of you who have been in the adoption process, it's it's hard, man. We started actually in Ethiopia. We want to adopt a baby because we didn't know we could have them. And then, you know, we get to this waiting list. We're like number one on the waiting list and Ethiopia shuts down, oh. like completely shuts down. And so all our money is gone and we don't have a shot of adopting. And so it was heartbreaking. And again, there's a question like, is this really God's will for our life? We're trying to follow you, God, and this happens. And so we wrestled through some of that stuff. And then we began the process of switching from Ethiopia to China two years later and we brought home our son Malachi. And man, you know, I wouldn't have picked the journey to walk through, but it's like it's like God says, you faithful, it's hard. And sometimes God's will isn't so pretty for you. It wasn't pretty for his son. And so, you know, just navigating that and trusting that you're pleasing him, that gets you through all the ups and downs of the the road that he has for you. Wow. What a what a great story. And I think just a really vivid kind of description of the process that we're talking about for you personally, like as you think through your journey of kind of, okay, God, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. Is there a primary emotion that you kind of associate with that? Like for some of us, it might be fear for some of us. It might be, you know, I don't know, you know, excitement for some of us, it might be sadness or anger or, you know, is there kind of a uh, a primary emotion that you associate with that process for you? Yeah, I, w- I would say probably fear is the biggest thing because I think fear kind of spans out to different emotions. But, mm-hmm. you know, for in the adoption process, it was fear of like finances, man. Adoption is $40,000. Like, can we pull this off? Like the fear of what if this, you know, international adoption is is a special needs adoption. And so what if this jacks up my marriage? What if this messes up our relationship? I mean, there were so many things that we were thinking through and it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of like, oh, this is what God wants us to do. But there's also some realities that you have to face. And so that fear um, is what kept me. But what's interesting is God used thankfulness or gratefulness to overcome my fear. And so I remember this story like it was yesterday. The big thing that that really, if I'm honest, was finances. I didn't want to pay the money. You know, I didn't want to pay the cost to adopt a child. I didn't. And I just remember one night looking online uh, and this our agency Lifeline Children's Services and there's this tag on their their website that says price. Oh, I hate that tab. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just scrolling through the 
the cost of adoption, they break it down one by one. And man, I'm just looking at that and I'm like, there's no way we can do that. And again, you know, the Holy Spirit just whispers in my ear, like, do you know how much Jesus paid for you, Drew, for you to be adopted into his family? And man, I, I'm not a huge crier, but I just weeped. I just, my heart broke and my fear kept me from adopting. But then when I realized how thankful I should be for what Jesus accomplished for me and the price he paid, my thankfulness trumped my fear all day long. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful story. And I think a great illustration of that we don't always associate those two things together. I don't always associate those two things together, fear and thankfulness, like thankfulness actually being a solution to fear. That is a, is something pretty, pretty deep. <laughs> you know, one of the things um, that I find interesting, you know, right now, millennials, um, you're a millennial, right? I am. All right, there we go. Uh, join the club. I'm, I'm there too. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the knocks on millennials is they don't work really hard. And right now that's the largest population in the workforce. You know, you now are a lead pastor, you know, at, at Northridge, you know, the, the person serving before you, David Whiting, was successful. And, you know, I talked to a lot of millennials career-wise, like, I want God's will for my life to be the CEO. I want them to do. And, and so I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, we've heard a lot of great things, but if you could talk to yourself before you came to Northridge, and if you could talk to those 20 or 30-somethings that are like, I aspire to do great things for God, I aspire to leadership, what would you tell yourself and them, you know, prior to coming to Northridge? Yeah. And I think this ties to God's will. You know, we we all want the dream, right? We want to be the lead pastor. We want to be the CEO, the head of the hospital or whatever it is. I mean, it's okay to have dreams, but one one pastor one, once said to me, and it stuck with me as a young man, he said, Drew, you got to understand, you got to learn to enjoy the drive to the dream. And I, I think it, it, it gives us a glimpse into how God works, especially when his, with his will. We, we want something from God and we prioritize the destination of where we want to get, the choice we need to make. But what's often true about God is he doesn't prioritize the destination. He prioritizes the process he works in us to get us to where he wants us to be. And I think if I, if I could speak to my younger self, it would be, you know, the season you're in where you're confused and you don't know what God wants for you or you want something that doesn't feel like God wants for you right now is learn to make the most of that season. You know, enjoy the process and None of us likes that, the, the sanctification process, the process where God chisels you and he teaches you the things that you think you know, but you really don't know. And man, I just think the more I walk with God, the more I learn that God values the process of me becoming the man I need to be. And if I would actually choose to step in and learn from the process, I will become the man God wants me to be. And he'll take me not where I want to go, but where he needs me to go. What what does that look like? Like, is there a specific example? It doesn't even have to be your life, but like kind of what you see, whether career wise, because I'm sure that we have some of our listeners that are asking this question, like, do I remain faithful in my role? Do I apply for different jobs or, you know, what does that look like to, uh, you know, we'll use 76ers, trust the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think and until you make the decision to go somewhere else, be the best man or woman you can be where you're at. And so, you know, and I think if you're at a position where you can't respect leadership and you can't talk highly of leadership, then God's obviously telling you, you got to step away from that 
that current role. I think God is making that clear. But if you're there and you're still doing your job, don't burn bridges. Do the best you can to honor people. Work as hard as you can until, you know, you find a new place or until God tells you, I want you there. You know, I think that's the big thing is, man, do the right thing at the right time. And sometimes God will say, he'll give you your answer eventually, but sometimes you got to have patience. I think when it comes to God's will, God's will, one of the greatest things is the fruit of the spirit, patience, you know, don't rush the decision. A lot of us, we want God's will and we want it now. And unfortunately, God has never worked on my timetable. <laughs> I wish he would, like life would seem to be better, but I'd probably make a lot of poor decisions. But, you know, I think patience is a huge thing when it comes to the will of God is, God's going to reveal himself to you when you need it, not when you want it. So, and, you know, I I think the thing I've learned is, especially when it comes to getting to where I want to go, you know, I'm a lead pastor now, and so I see things so differently. When I was a young whippersnapper, I thought I could do things way better than the guy in charge. And what's often true is I didn't have all the information that he had and it changed, it would have changed my opinion. And I think if you're, you know, you're on a lower seat in the bus or on the, on a lower seat in the org chart, you got to understand that some decisions that people make, you don't see the full picture and you have to learn trust. You have to learn trust. Andy Stanley talks about trust versus suspicion. And so many people are suspicious of people and they, 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 you know, get their gears grind over decisions people make. And it's like, Hey, sometimes not knowing all the information changes your perspective. And I think I would tell my younger self that too, as well. Well, we close with a, we close with a specific question, but we'll ask one more. Um, Say that I'm stuck in indecision. And I've got two or three options, you know, what would you advise for me, you know, or any one of our listeners, you know, if we're stuck in indecision, you know, what would be the next step for them? Yeah, I think if you're, you're not sure which way to go, I would run your decision through the filters God has given you. So I would spend time in, in God's word um, every single day. I would, I would read his word. I would listen to his spirit. So I think sometimes that's spending time in prayer and just give yourself some space, like some quiet time. I think one thing that's missing when it comes to God's will is we don't have space in life. Everything's chaotic, busy, 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 busy. Go sit on your back porch and just say, God, I- I'm listening for you and and allow him some room to speak. And then third, talk to, to wise people. Talk to people who've been there and done that. Find somebody who's an expert in the field, uh, you know, depending on what the decision is. If it's finances, find a financial guy. If it's, you know, a college decision, talk to different people who have who've gone before you and find some godly people and run it by them. And then I think if you do all those things and you still got decisions left, just know you probably have the freedom. It's not a, it's not a right or wrong issue, according to God got the freedom to to make the choice and and just go for it like it might not be like oh now is this god's will or not it might just be god says hey you're in the boundaries you're in the framework i created you get to choose and guess what god might actually not care <laughs> you heard it here first that's right oh, yeah. <laughs> drew karshner says yeah. god does not care yeah. we're, we're gonna tweet that out yeah. maybe no. uh, <laughs> i don't know i don't know well so this is our last question what we do is we ask you know, what does Jesus teach us today about this question? And so what happens is John and I, um, we break all the rules and mess it up for you to clean it up. So 
John, you want to get started? Sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> this is fantastic. I'll, I'll go for it. And then Drew can uh, correct all my errors. Um, no, I, as Drew, as I hear you talking, one of the things that's coming to my mind is maybe one of the reasons why we get co- so confused about this whole process is because we expect the answer to be within our comfort zone. What you're describing is so like, is living a life that's really not comfortable. Even your illustrations that you've shared, your life, it's like God's will isn't always that we're nice and happy and, you know, happy in, a, in one sense, but not in the way that we sometimes perceive it. And I, I think of the, the young man who came to Jesus and said to him, hey, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Like, what do I need to do to live? Essentially, what he's asking is, what can I do to have a life that is full of meaning, full of purpose? Sometimes I think we, we try to make that about eternity, but I think he's asking like in the here and now, like, what is it? And Jesus says, oh, I'll give you the sign that actually that you're looking for. Here it is. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And then you're going to have the life that you're looking for. And it, and the Bible tells us that that guy goes away really sad because he just couldn't do it. He couldn't give up that money, that those possessions. And so I think that that kind of hits that same point of sometimes it's probably a good thing that we don't get that sign in the sky because that would make us even more uncomfortable. Um, But I think it's gracious in the sense that, you know what, sometimes that is part of the process is going to places that are uncomfortable. I think Jesus would, would, would tell us that just because it's a place that you might be afraid of doesn't mean that's a place, doesn't mean that I'm holding you back from that place. So those are some of the thoughts that are going through my head as, as I heard Drew talk. Yeah, as I listen to Drew, I, I I keep coming back to your your grid, and I know that we're not um, we're not on TV, so I mean I'm just imagining a square as our listeners, and you know we are so focused on God answering the question, what do you want us to do? That I mean you've you've said it in so many different ways, but God's so focused on who we're becoming, and I think about Ephesians. You know, the first three chapters are all about identity. And I can see in my life where I've failed is when I thought my identity was my career, who I was friends with, and um, just some other stuff like that. But when I've really grown, and that's why Ephesians is so powerful, because, you know, the writer Paul says, you know, that we are God's workmanship. And then later on in the book talks about walk in the light as you are in the light. It's not this like specific, you know, go take a job in Rochester or go take a job in Topeka, Kansas, or go do this. It's, this is who you are. So live that out. And I think oftentimes we're so focused on what God wants us to do that we're not even looking deeper to who is God calling us to become. Yeah. I think well said guys. Well said. I would say it it like this. And I think what, what's nice about this statement is when it comes to making decisions, everybody feels the pressure, you know, and the longer the decision like lingers, the more pressure we feel. And I think we have to get back to when it comes to God's will, it's it's not about making the right decision. It's about becoming the right person. And I think that is so beneficial for everybody, including myself. If I would focus on being the man 
or for some of you women that God wants you to be, that removes the pressure because if I am the right man or right woman, I'll probably make the right decision. We focus so much in, in our culture of making the right decision. You know, like, I got to get this one right. I got to, if I, if I don't make this right, it's going to ruin everything. And no, God wants you to be the right person. And if you're the right person, you'll make the right decisions. Drew, thank you so much for making uh, the trip across town and have you here live. Uh, if you're interested in more about the Why God Why podcast or even this question, you can go to whygodwhypodcast.com. Com. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, we also want to let you know caring or sharing is caring, not caring is sharing. But uh, either way, you know, really. either way. Yeah. But um, make sure that you share this with your friends and write a, a five star review for us. That'd be super helpful so other listeners can find it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so very much. Mm-hmm.